2: Welcome from barangaroo studios i'm ingrid Willinge, and this is the call that means 10 stocks picked by you two guests one hour we've got it all covered for you it's tuesday june 9 let's get straight into it with our guest hosts for today we have mark morland from team invest in the studio with me now good afternoon to you good
0: afternoon i'm very and excited to be here well, ingrid, we're, with we're, you.
2: we're excited to have you and scott phillips also joining us mm. uh, from the motley fool via skype scott pleasure to have you on the program as well today as i said 10 stocks to get through let's get straight through it though beginning with our stock of the day and let's kick it off with that now because of course it is santos as saudi arabia says it will boost oil output and end voluntary cuts by july as global demand looks set to recover on the back of this energy companies such as santos are expected to attract some interest so, Mark, let's uh, kick it off with you. What are your thoughts on our pick of the uh, well, day?
0: Santos doesn't attract any interest from team invest uh, members. Um, it's That's been a clear cut there. Yeah. It's been, even <laughs> though what's changing in the market, whether that actually benefits them or not, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if you look at the 10 year history of uh, Santos, it's been uh, pretty flat. Like their earnings were 39 cents a year. Uh, uh, back in 2010, and their last reported earnings were 43. So, four cents difference, and lots of years with big losses. So, as an investor, Santos has been a shocker. Uh, All right. Yeah, so we have zero interest in it. Its stability is 25%. We, we like 80%. So, when I say stability, I mean the stability of earnings growth. So, it's been flat at best with big holes.
2: So, it's a, it's a pretty clear no from you when it yes. comes to Santos. <laughs> yes, uh, And
0: if you want to divide, I mean, I can, I can give you a price. From our point of view, if you want to get a 10% rate of return on it, uh, which I would say be the minimum you'd want. On a margin of safety, you can pay $2.79. So it's currently five seventy five. So it's a long way away from that.
2: Okay, overvalued in your view. Yeah,
0: um, even if you wanted to buy it, but
1: I wouldn't buy it anyway.
2: Got it. Let's get Scott's view now. Yeah. Scott, what's your take on Santos?
1: Ingrid, good afternoon, good afternoon, Mark. And to our viewers, uh, mate, I'm not a big fan of Santos, I have to say, for similar reasons to Mark. And that is, unless you want to predict the price of a commodity, unless you can actually do that, Buying the driller or the miner is incredibly difficult and hard to do. Now, if you're going to, you want to buy when prices are really, really favorable, both in terms of the share price and the commodity. Mm. This one's fallen like a stone then risen like a rocket on the back of that, as the chart we just saw shows. It's really a story of, again, you know, where, where, does, where does your price go next? If you can do that, you can you tell me that? Then you can pick me a winner on Melbourne Cup Day. So I'm just not a big fan of, of these sorts of businesses in general. I have to say, Santos has done a bit of work to really, get its house back in order and full credit of the company. As I said before, all you can do as a driller or a miner is be operationally as good as you can mm-hmm. and hope the price will work for you. When Saudi Arabia says, hey, we're opening the spigot again, uh, that's not a good sign for prices, I have to say. And they're probably taking bet that prices will hold up despite that. And they may well be right. But again, if you're tossing a coin on this stuff, there, there, are, there are plenty of other alternatives out there. Um, and certainly probably ones in better financial health i should say as well than santos so i'd be giving it a a well and truly wide berth um plenty of people can make money trading oil stocks i suppose i'm not one of them so i'm giving it a miss
2: but that's the key isn't it it's trading oil stocks maybe as a day trader you can do well but as a long-term investor it's a no right
0: yeah i agree and and i think scott made a really good point the the fact that saudis are saying they're increasing production is not good news (laughs) for santos so i don't even get the connection there
2: not for really any oil play, scott
1: (laughs) sorry I say again
2: not for any oil play really there
1: scott no that's a, that's the problem right you've got the situation where i mean again it's all the game of expectations what did investors expect yesterday what do they expect now today what's your price end up doing um, as i said in a, in, a, in a great scenario in a best case scenario the Arabia produces more oil and demand grows faster than that so price stays stable or grows that's what you're hoping for mm-hmm. um look at you know you talk about day traders i reckon if you're a cyclical investor and you want to try and pick a cycle. When the share price is low and the commodity price is as close as possible to the marginal cost of production, I've said this before, I'll say it again, um, that's the time you want to be buying if you want to take an opportunity. If you want to de-risk, maximise your potential return, prepare to that risk, that's the time to do it. When the price has kind of been on a bit of a tear, when you know there's some, some kind of questionable macro coming, I just don't reckon the, the odds are in your favour. So if you want to try and buy at a low-ish commodity and share price, sell at a high-ish commodity and share price, say-ish deliberately because no one knows where the bottoms and the tops are then maybe you can make some money over medium-term periods. I've never been able to do it successfully. Few people can, but that is one way I do it. And the time to buy is, look, in a financially sound business, when the opportunity presents itself and the commodity price is low, Santos has never really been that business. It was it was a struggling business financially when the commodity price was low. That's not the time you want to do it because you do run a real risk of meaningful pollution, as happened with Santos. So you've got to be really, really careful there and buy at the right times. But if you can find a high-quality business when, iron ore is 25 bucks a ton or when oil is, you know, $20 a barrel. Mm-hmm. Great time, statistically, to buy. Doesn't mean you work every time, but that's the time you would go shopping. When the share price is up, probably, what, 250 300% from that graph before and Saudi Arabia is certainly more oil. I don't know that's a great time to buy.
2: All right, well, let's get into these 10 stocks sent to us uh, by viewers. The first one today, Objective Corporation. This is sent to us from Stephen. Um, Software document management for the public sector and financial services. Mark, I would have thought this is a good one, particularly during a global pandemic. Yeah, what yeah, yeah, one? yeah, no, I'd,
0: I'd agree with that. I mean, Objective Corp, we've, we've sort of followed for about a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've sort of, we've never been really enthusiastic about it. There's lots of things to like about the business. What they do is they, um, they provide security. I think Navy's their biggest client, so a lot of government services of who accesses documents and and tracks it. So they can pick up any bad, you know, people who are looking at things they're not meant to look at and so on. Uh, That's what has a, it has a trapdoor moat. Mm. So a trapdoor moat is one of the best kind of moats you can have and what that means is, and a moat by the way is, Buffett uses the uh, analogy of the castles, the business, the moat is the first line of defense and you want crocodiles and piranhas in there. And basically what (laughs) he means is, you want to make sure that a company has defenses to stop competitors stealing your clients. A trapdoor moat means once you're in you can't get out. So with Objective's point of view, if you think about the government, they've got millions of documents and tens of thousands of people all accessing it using that secure system. How do you change it? It's virtually impossible, you know, so that means they don't lose clients. We like that. That's a big tick. Uh, There's a founder CEO who's a major shareholder. Uh, We got a bit perturbed about uh, 10 years ago because he was buying back shares. So the company was issuing, um, uh, doing buybacks and he wasn't contributing. So we thought he was doing a privatization by stealth, right? And I I think at that stage he had about 70% of the shares or something. So really, really dominant position. He hasn't been doing that for the last four or five years, and their earnings have been about 12% a year, which is a a growth rate which is pretty good. Uh, Return on equity is 30, which is good. Not much debt, or 39% debt, it's not too bad. Uh, Problem is, it's on a 71 PE. Now that's a massive PE. Now obviously. The market's bid up tech stocks, but it's close to an all-time high. And then the, very recently, 75 has been its all-time high. Usually, the highs are 20 to 30, and the lows are about 16 to 25 sort of range. And the problem with that is even if they continue with the earnings growth they've got now, uh, you're only going to get about 0.9% return per year if you buy it now. It's just too expensive. Mm. And if you wanted 10%, assuming they just continue doing what they're doing, you could only pay $4.74. So uh, quite a long way away from where it is.
2: So a no from you? No, I'd say
0: it's a yes, but it, I wouldn't buy it. It's too expensive.
2: So it's a buy at certain levels? Yeah, at the
0: right, at the right price, but 70p is absurd. So would you have uh, a... 20. All right. 25 maybe. Yeah.
2: All right, okay, so hold. I'd put you in the hold bracket, yeah. I think, if I was going to sum you up. Scott, what's your take?
1: Yeah, this is a company that grew, you know, spent four years between two and three bucks effectively, and now it's running at 7.30, give or take. Um, even despite the fall and the bounce back after the, after the pandemic kind of, worst case in uh, around March, March 23 or so. No, um, oh, sorry, yeah, March 23. This is a, this is a really difficult one. It's, much, I, I almost want to say i got nothing away, but that doesn't make very good television. So if you're supplying, <laughs> yeah, the, the trapdoor mode you talked about, if you're supplying government, not only is it a trapdoor mode in terms of people don't want to walk away, governments just very rarely do. So even <laughs> even aside from the, the actual kind of business mode in itself, you've got a customer base who is frankly really, really unlikely to change horses anytime soon, right? So, to mix my metaphors. So, when you've got that scenario, it's a really, really decently secure customer base and, and revenue base, not guaranteed, but a pretty good chance you're going to get a pretty good set of results. So that underpins the current level of revenue. And that de risks the opportunity somewhat. Again, to Mark's point, though, man, I mean, governments aren't the fastest to move in these cases. And When you're asking for a P of 70, what, 73, 74 times, really, really expensive price to pay for any business, let alone one that kind of has to run through a treacle dealing with government. So, oh, look. Again, same thing. I want to like it. I like the business. I just can't like the price. It seems crazy. The, the, the gain in the share price over the last year, maybe, well, maybe seven months, six months, has um, gone from three bucks to the best part of 7 30 It just seems really out of character with the business itself. A couple of good contract wins and it's away, but mm. it takes a lot for governments to do these deals. They say once they do the deal, but trying to get them to, to actually come to the party, I reckon, is a really difficult ask. So, so Scott, like I know it's quite a today's point.
2: I know it depends on when you bought in, obviously, but would you take profits or would you just hold it then? Oh,
1: oh man, Look, honestly, I think I take wouldn't. Think, I mean, you've just got to assume a lot goes right from here, right? Like if a, if a steady state PE is call it fifteen, right? Like by the time it's X growth, fifteen PE, if it's trading at seventy five times, just to make my maths easier. Probably <laughs> got to go up fivefold to justify the current price. Right. So you know, you're baking that in already between now and X growth. profit's going to grow fivefold. To say okay well i bought it a decent price that's that's by the way to justify today's price if the market goes up between now and then you've got to get even more on top of that to keep up with the market so it's a, just a really really tough ask unless you can genuinely get really meaningful growth now software business they can scale really really easily if they sign up another half a dozen customers there's not a lot of extra you know development costs frankly a lot of it's already there so software companies can scale like almost no other business on the on the planet quite frankly that goes in its favor but gee you've got to expect a whole lot in the circumstances, if it was a consumer company that was, you know, a a new Zoom or a new Uber or a new something else, admittedly they're also, they've got lofty expectations, but if you can see a market exploding over two or three years, then I'd absolutely pay 75 times for a great software business. I just haven't enough visibility to see how they, they literally quintuple profit, just to justify the current price, and then keep growing from there to keep up with the market. So I I think I would sell if I owned them now, Um, not a prediction where the share price goes next, just a, a value view on, Hey, I think there's better places to put your money than a, a government supplier trading at 75 times earnings.
2: All right, I'm putting you both at a sell then for that one because that's where it's sort of come out. Even if
0: I'm not a shareholder, but if I yeah. was now, I would take this record high PE and the less than one percent return going forward and sell it.
2: All right, it's never black and white, is it, with no. these um, with these stocks? Let's talk about GUD Holdings, and I'll kick it off with you, Mark. This is our stock number two, sent to us from Greg. Thanks for your uh, email, Greg. Let's talk about this one. What's your buy hold GUD
0: is a, uh, a company that provides manufactures and distributes. Uh, parts for cars and they also do pumps and spas and they, they own Davy, which is a well-known pump brand I actually
2: do some hand sanitizer stations now too but That's
0: okay I mean it's not one that we've ever uh, we got excited about it's it's got 10% average growth for the last six years with good stability which is okay the return on equity is really good 22% mm-hmm. uh, 58% debt which is manageable uh, it's on a 15 peer which is not bad as, as well really for the earnings and we're showing it returning about 19% a year at the current price if they can maintain the 10.94% average growth rate going forward over the next five years. Now the problem is, what we don't know is how much the coronavirus downturn on sales of cars and so on has impacted parts and the areas of the business they do. Maybe Scott knows, I don't know. I would have thought it would be negative, uh, but you never know, it could be positive you because know, maybe people are at home uh, spending money on uh, their, their cars, I don't know. Uh, but I think that's the big question. Uh, you know how much impact and therefore can they maintain the earnings because you might want to
2: downgrade mm. that so where do you stand?
0: I, I think it's I, I wouldn't buy it because the the it's not there's not enough upside from my point of view for the risk in my perception mm-hmm.
2: Okay, Scott, what's your take?
1: Uh, I'll, I'll Headline first to hold um, You yeah, know that five-year chart is really indicative of the company's fortunes, right? It's one of those Australian conglomerate manufacturers that kind of does a whole lot of different things and tries to make a dollar Frankly, um, We know how incredibly hard it is to make money manufacturing but look at that chart now i think we've gone nowhere since mid 2016 and again not you know the company isn't the share price the share price isn't the company necessarily but it very much is the story of gud as a business it's had lots of highs and lows all over the place but gone nowhere really um, and i think look yield of five percent is pretty attractive frankly if you're an income investor so maybe you might be tempted by that if you don't need capital growth but i don't expect it to be market beating as a result i just think it's look you know it's one of those gunner companies that always is always it's desperately running fast to stay still which is credit to the management team a little bit like ansel quite honestly mm-hmm. um, got to do a lots, lot of stuff just to stay still in a really fast changing market but that's not necessarily you know credit to management but you don't have to invest in that business so a fair price i think for a mm-hmm. fair company mm-hmm. which is probably a hold for me maybe a buy if you're looking to diversify your dividend income stream and frankly if you own like some people do 40 50 60 percent of their portfolios in banks This might be one to consider just to diversify your income stream. Uh, But again, if your target is to beat the market and for everybody else it should be, I don't see how G U D does that sustainably from here over an extended period of time. All
2: right. Well, Scott, I'm going to give you first right reply to the next one. This is IDP Education, uh, ticker IEL. This comes to us from Duncan. Thanks uh, for that, Duncan. Scott, what do you make of this one? Is it a buy?
1: So thanks, Duncan. Thanks, Ingrid, for the easy ones. Uh, look, I think it's an amazing business, right? It's done fantastically well. The problem is in the business of bringing international students to Australian universities, primarily. And if people haven't noticed reasonably recently, the, uh, the airlines aren't exactly doing a roaring trade in international students right now. So it's a really, really difficult one to try and assess. Now, if you're, a, you might look at that kind of February high and go, wow, you know, that the price is probably something like a third or 40% off. Uh, that feels like a pretty good chance. I wouldn't criticise anyone for taking that view, quite honestly, as long as you had a really high tolerance for volatility. So this is one of those stories where, if and when, and I think it will be when the number of international students gets back somewhere near what it has been in the past, then IDP should remain at the forefront of this business, should be really, really well. I mean that's a stunning chart, right? So you want to be you want to be invested in a business like this, if and when things get back to normal. Now you've got to make sure they can get to that point, and if it's an extended period of time, it could be. I mean let's be pessimistic, right? Two years before now, before we get international students back in the country mm. that's a remarkably long time to wait Now it could also be three months and so that's kind of the bet you're taking with IDP and that's why you need a real stomach for volatility and you to be a higher risk investor if it's two years I don't know if this business makes it out two years let alone does it with any sort of financial strength strength uh, or if it's three months this price is probably reasonably cheap if you look at a full year's earnings potential post pandemic post back to normal and that might still be you know eight months away. do we get back to proper normal normal but even when that happens this might well be a really attractive price to get get a hold of it. So, look, it's probably... I don't like using speculative buy because it sounds a bit too jargony, a bit too stockbrokery. Um, but I think to some degree, if you want to buy a quality business with a strong track record and you believe that it can withstand the short-term pain and you, as an investor, can withstand the short-term volatility, this might well be one that I think we'll look back on and say $11, $12 for a pretty good price.
2: Because surely, you know, you do expect international students, Mark, to pick up.
0: I don't know. I mean, there's... Um, China's already said that uh, you know a lot of their students might not want to come seeing Australia so nasty <laughs> to them oh yeah you wonder whether we're going to go back to business as usual the way it was. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have far less uh, Chinese um, students coming in over time. But Scott's right, you know the, the timing factor on this is it could be a couple of years mm. before it gets back to what the new normal is going to be and we don't really know what the new normal is going to be. Maybe it'll be greater you know the, uh, the number of students coming in, but I personally would doubt it. Um, It's on a 51 PE. I'm showing uh, about $17 actually, the share price, as of yesterday anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, What did it have on your graph? It was a 12. Um, But it's on a 51 PE. It's only got four years history. All its numbers are good. Uh, So I agree with everything um, uh, Scott said. It's not a software company though where you're getting really good operational leverage. Uh, They actually have to do training and so on. So I don't think it's that kind of sexy business in the growth area which can really scale up, that justifies 51 times earnings to me. I just find that absurd um, Maybe 30 uh, you, could, you could live with um, and the other thing is that um, they've done a capital raising They've raised about 190 million mm. uh, which they needed to do so this is not a small company by the way It's about 4.7 billion, right? So um, I think
2: and they're not alone in having to raise capital
0: No, 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 and, and, and but they haven't raised a help that. They've raised a fair amount of capital mm-hmm. But as, a, as a, compared to the size of the business not massive and Scott may well be right that uh, when we come out of this, you know, it could be really good and go up, but significant risk from my point of view because we really don't know what's going to happen with uh, the students and the universities and whether we're into a new a new uh, regime once the, we get out of corona. I don't know. All right, so where
2: do you, where do you stand? I, I, would, I, I, would,
0: uh, I would say uh, I would hold it if I was a hold, but I wouldn't buy it.
2: Everyone's tentative to say sell, I feel, but we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, prefer to hear buyers from everyone, but we'll get, we'll get there as well with a, with a market rally like this, I guess, what we're seeing at the well, moment.
0: It's showing 13% return for us, of yep. the current figures, okay. if, it, if it can maintain them. Which okay. I'm saying is the question. So i would be hard to argue to say therefore it's a sell.
2: Yeah, exactly. Unless
0: I'm going to say I'd sell it because I think a risk. I'm pushing that.
2: I'd prefer buyers on. I mean, we would okay. to get some good buyers. <laughs> you won't right. get many buyers out of me. Okay. At least rally. Okay, let's bring in um, our next one, Emma Co. Uh, this is EHL. Comes from John Scott. I'll kick it off with you. Um, obviously, um, renting heavy earth moving equipment, um, a services business. What's your take, Scott?
1: Yeah, th- thanks, for the, thanks for all the bounce back stocks. Uh, John, good question. Uh, Emeco is a really amazing company to follow. We followed it for quite a long time. It was almost a recommendation of multiple hidden gems about a decade or almost a decade ago, maybe eight years, seven years ago. Um, it's been a $12 stock, it was a 25 cent stock, and then it was a $4 stock, and now it's a $1.15 stock or something, $1.23, there we go. Um, it, it's just been an amazing ride. That, that's a one-year show. If you'll get a 10-year chart, you might have it there, but it's just a phenomenal story. The problem with Emeco is, It's exactly the business you want as a supplier, not what you want to run yourself, right? So, what I mean by that is, if you're a a miner, if you're an earth business, if you're a contractor, you want someone else to bear all of the risk of buying the assets and you want to rent them day by day by day by day, yeah, you pay a bit more, but if things go to pot, you simply stop renting it and the cost goes away, right? That's, That's a wonderful business to have. When you're the other side of that transaction, when your business model is exactly the reverse, which is, I'm going to have all of the cost of the assets and hope I can make a bit of a margin in the good times, that's a really tough business. Now, I remember way back in the day, Ingrid, you and I were probably on hospice together talking about it. Oh, sorry, oh, no, Skybiz talking about it, I should say, at the time, mm. how quickly we changed. Um, Emeco couldn't give the machines away in Indonesia yeah. at the time. They literally furloughed the entire Indonesian operation, just shut the whole thing down, locked the padlock, left the machines where they were, couldn't sell them. Um, literally, no, there was not a single buyer they could find for earth movie equipment at some point. I to say that it was probably the GFC, but it might have been just after, maybe in the mining bust. In any case, that's the situation you find yourself in, right? If you have a, a whole fleet of really, really expensive machines you simply can't use, that's a that's a devilishly difficult problem to try and resolve. So, look, I, again, in the IDP kind of vein, it's pretty cheap relative to the most recent price. It was almost $4 not that long ago. If and when you believe the economy picks up and the code gets a bit more utilisation, these things are, are really are coiled springs. And I don't want to oversell it because I've already talked about the risks, but if and when it can go from... One machine being used to two to four to eight to sixteen, your your profits grow enormously faster. Uh, you know, just just completely exponentially faster than revenues because you've got all the costs already. You just get the extra revenue from a machine you've already got on on, on stock or in stock. So, again, if you're a, if you're a someone who wants to be optimistic or wants to believe you can see through this, if you believe the company's balance sheet's strong enough, maybe you want to try and trade, a, a, you know, a, a winner here. I'm not brave enough to buy. it, I've got to say, so mm-hmm. I'll put it down myself down as a hold. It's not a sell at the current price. It's absolutely sell it at you know four or five bucks. I think easily because the risk changes meaningfully there. But on a risk return basis at a dollar twenty three, it feels like as long as I don't go broke, and that's not a you know a guarantee by the way, um, when the economic circumstances recover these guys will start making money hand over fist. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a five in front of the share price. That's five bucks or 50 cents, by the way. Um, at some point in the next two or three years, at which point you look back and go, of course, it was easy to buy. It's not that risk free. And that's why I want people to be very careful. So I'll stick with the whole, cause I'm just not brave enough to do it. But I do think it's, it's probable maybe even possible, certainly probable um, that, that people make money buying this at these depressed economic activity levels and then make some good money when things resume.
2: Yeah, that's the, hard, that's the hard thing to balance, isn't it? Mark, what's your take?
0: Um, it's, it's a very capital-intensive business, that, and that's, you know, Scott talked about that. The other problem is they've got very high debt. You know, their debt's 36% debt to equity, which is very, very high. Um, and I would totally discount it based on that alone. Because, uh, I mean, it's probably operating leases on the equipment, yep. but what that means is it's not like they own all the assets and they're all sitting there, and if they don't rent it out, they don't lose any money. They have to keep paying it. Yep. So it's all about utilization of their fleet of stuff. And if you, I looked at their earnings over time, and our system on conscious investor can't even do a calculation. It's so it's so up and up and down. And in 2012, they went from earning a dollar fifty a share um, in earnings down to negative dollar fifty. You yeah. know, and then it, and basically that follows the mining cycle. When the mining boom came off, like most mining services companies, their earnings tanked, mm. and they've only just got back. But they're still currently only nineteen cents. You know, they're not even a fifth of what they were. 10 years ago. So
2: with things like the iron ore price doing what it's doing at 150, well, That alone doesn't mean much. does mean, what it, means, what
0: it does mean is that BHP, Rio, Fortescue are likely to be expanding or at least they have to uh, build new mines to take over the ones that are running out and so on. Mm. So when the, mining, when the mining boom bust last time, there was no activity. That's why they were screwed. So nobody wanted to rent anything. Yep. Now the market's healthy, uh, but they've still got to... business got a, as usual then,
2: well, it's right? It's business as usual, yeah. but
0: out of mining services, these guys are at the worst end of it, I think. Because I agree with what Scott said. You know, you'll only rent the stuff and you'll pay a premium when you absolutely need it. And the rest of the time, Emoco takes the risk and takes the cost. So, so a hold from you? No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go near it. It's, it's only on a penny of six. Scott may well be right, you know, that the, uh, uh, the uh, share price might go up. But it may well. The yeah. market's not bad for them. Mm. So, uh, But I couldn't buy it.
2: Not at these levels. Well, not at, about any about levels. at any levels because I okay. just don't like
0: the debt for me is a no-no.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Um, all right, well, let's move on from that one and go to our next one, SRG Global from Vincent. Uh, this is obviously engineering, construction, maintenance, mining services, similar um, in that sense, similar category. Mark, do you have a view on SRG? Um, let's uh,
0: have a look. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's... It's uh, construction, maintenance, mining services. Yep. They also on oil and gas. They do commercial, residential. So it's, it's mining and commercial and residential. It's a lot of stuff. Yep. It's a diversified, uh, it's only a $100 million capital, market cap. So this is a small company that seems to do a lot <laughs> you know, as far as areas they're working. <laughs> okay, earnings average for the, over the last six years have been minus 1% a year. So negative, negative um, earnings growth, which is not a good start. Uh, they were making good money back in 2011-12 and then had a good year in 2015, other than that it's always been pretty sad. Um, they've got a uh, return on equity of 6.8. We have an absolute uh, cut off at 10. Okay. Uh, that means the company, even if I look back, they only had one year in the last 7 years where they were over 10%. So this is a, it has poor returns on the equity in the business, uh, hasn't got a lot of debt, and we're showing, it's on a 9 PE, we're showing it returning 2.8% a year if it just continues doing what it's doing. And if you want a 10% return PE, you could pay, You have to pay no more than 16 cents, which is not that far off where it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do you stand? Oh, no, we're not interested. Would okay. be a no. It would be a no. It'd yeah. be a no from Mark. All right, Scott, SRG Global, you got a different view?
1: Uh, no, I agree that I mean, makes terrible television but I can't disagree with Mark on this one. Um, this is, it, you know, so I mean, Emeco's had good and bad times, right? SIG's had bad and worse times. Over the last three, five, ten years, no matter how bad, how far back you look, um, shareholders have just been in a world of pain for the most part. Best part of the last decade, quite honestly. There's a couple of bright spots, but it's just, just, it's just an inexorable decline. Um, and frankly, even the fall from, you know, from the pandemic level, the pre-pandemic highs, it looks meaningful. But if you look back further and further, the further back you go, the worse the numbers look. Uh, quite frankly, the worse you know things get over time. So, look, you know, it's very, very hard to find a positive pace for this one. It's not a business with operating momentum. It's not a business with share price momentum. It's not a business that looks particularly healthy or particularly attractive valuation wise. Um, I, I can only find at least some good things to say about most businesses. Guess <laughs> best about this might just be law of averages means eventually they've got to get it right. So maybe you want to out to see any of the terrible stuff. Maybe they're due for a bit of luck. Uh, that's a terrible investing strategy, though. So, yeah, you know, again, maybe there's something positive coming down the pike. I can't tell the future, nor can anybody else, but th- there's nothing in the numbers, nothing in the prospects that make you think, maybe now is the time we're gonna turn this ship around. Uh, th- there's just there's just better ways to make money, better ways to try and invest. I'm trying to imagine that at some point, maybe possibly this thing gets better uh, when you're in that sort of environment. It's, it's just, you don't even you don't be, you don't be against that. So. I'd be giving this one a very, very wide berth and selling if I own the shares.
2: All right, there you go. I think it's a clear one uh, from both of you there when it comes to selling that one, SRG Global. Let's um, take a look we've, we've through five of the stocks now uh, that we've looked at today. So let's take a little summary. And there's, there hasn't been a lot of conviction um on the on on any buys so far but let's take a look at what we've got because we've had objective corporation uh where we got well a take profits um take profits on on both sides not quite a sell but certainly not a buy uh ged holdings we had a hold on on both sides from both mark and scott idp education we had uh, i wouldn't say conviction um on a buy i'd say between a hold and a buy from scott and a hold from mark emico we've had Um, sort of a hold and a sell and a sell on SRG Global from uh, both our guests. So there's a bit of a summary uh, for you for the first five stocks we've looked at. We've still got time for some buyers because we've got five more uh, to go. Let's take a look um, at this next one. Actually, I'm going to start with Scott on this one because Sol Pattinson, S-O-L. Scott, I know you like this one or you have in the past. Where do you stand right now?
1: You don't have worked together for way too long. You could probably do this one for me, I'd reckon. Um, look, I, I think Solpats is one of the very, very best bottom draw stocks on the ASX. And I don't mean bottom drawer as in terrible returns. I mean bottom drawer as in there are a few there are a few businesses you could buy with a decent amount of conviction, you could leave it for lengths of time and not have to worry too much. Now, that's not a guarantee. Um, and all these sort of things are made to make people like me look stupid when I say them, but um, is just a, a wonderful business run by great management team with an extraordinary long-term track record. So this is the second oldest company in the ASX. It's paid a dividend for, I don't know how many decades straight. It's, risen, it's increased the dividend for years straight. Um, they're value-based managers. They're looking for the best businesses they can find. They're index agnostic. They, they're trying to find just great places to use their cash. In the past, they've started their own internal property trust, they've started their own internal funds management business. Um, they fish where the fish are. I, I like the Milners, Robert Milner, who runs the business, Tom Milner, his son. Um, they, they're, they're straight up and down people who, you know, frankly, most of the family's money is tied up in the company, right? So if that doesn't make Christmas dinners an interesting conversation on a bad year, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what does. I, I think it's a, you know, look, it's not gonna be spectacular, but then again, uh, it has in the past had really long-term outperformance. I think it's a decent time to be looking at the company. The share price is cheap, both in terms of an aggregate terms and based on the asset, the asset sorry, and the earnings of the businesses it owns. I think if you aggregate those up, despite some short-term share price weakness, um, you know it, it didn't fall much during the pandemic. Quite frankly, not that we're out of it yet, but during during the, the worst of the fall, it hasn't risen massively as a result either. Uh, but just a really, you know, I own the stock. Uh, we own the stock of the multi-fool. Uh, I am you know behind Berkshire Hathaway. It is the second. Second holding, I'm, you know, I, I'm less worried about. If I never looked at that for five years, I think I'd be in a pretty good place to believe that. As a cornerstone asset, particularly in a market like the ASX, where an index buys you, you know, 55 60% miners and, miners and banks, Solpates um, is nicely uncorrelated to investment company with a broad range of investments run by, by decent people. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm sure I sound like a fan. I am because over the years they've done a very, very good job and they deserve that credibility and that credit. They'll make mistakes of course they will there'll be periods of underperformance, um, but if you want to bottom draw stock in the ASX, they don't come any better than salt packs in my mind
2: so in, in with that in mind would you add to positions if it if it takes a dip in the market scott yeah
1: absolutely i think i, I think look, at it now is a great plus price to buy i would be buying it today's price and yet for sure this is absolutely one you want us to have it falls to <clears> 8 17 bucks on the way through it's actually really volatile for big companies because not very very it's uh, not of highly traded so you do get opportunities sometimes uh, you saw that graph before is it is a bit all over the place. Now I'm not a, a buy the dips kind of guy. I think you know my, my chance of being so right on a ten percent variation on, on asset price are <clears is> really low. so <throat> if I'm right over the long term, ten percent here or there on the buy price isn't gonna make or break my thesis. Uh but that being said, this is one that look if you've got some spare cash around the salt packs, looks cheap one day, just can't throw it in salt packs. So again, there's other options and yeah, there may will be better choices at the time. But yeah, you're right, it's one I'd be very, very happy to have a DRP on, for example, a reinvestment plan to buy at the prevailing price yeah, if you've got, spare, you've got to spare a bit of money in the back pocket and so it looks cheap on a particular day, it's a great one to accumulate over time.
2: All right, Mark, it's a dividend paying stock, obviously. We know investors are looking for yield. Does that just add to the attractiveness of it in this, oh, definitely. In this sort of and, environment? And, and a
0: lot of our Team Invest members obviously like dividends. Yeah. Uh, we all do. Uh, we had Robert Milner in just before the coronavirus lockdown in Sydney, talked to our members. And it was very interesting. He's very much an old school um, director and founder CEO and the family is actually it's the family-run company forever it's actually two, uh, 1903 that it listed oh. and I, my understanding is they've never missed a dividend for the whole the whole history including the, through the depression right. in the 1930s which is you know is a fantastic uh, track record um, it's a little bit like Berkshire Hathaway you know Warren Buffett's company uh, in fact a lot like it <laughs> you could argue um, we've passed it for recently in Team Invest. The return on equity is a bit low, but that's a lot to do with the complex uh, cross-ownerships with Brickworks and so on, so yep. there's, it's a difficult one to deal with on a, on a, uh, from a return on equity point of view. Uh, but it passes um, uh, Team Invest. Most members aren't shareholders, and the reason is this is like a little con- mini conglomerate. Mm. So they own assets, they own companies completely, and they also have shares as well, uh, which is what we do. You know, we're, we're stock pickers, yep. so um, that, that puts off some. But I totally agree with Scott. It's a bottom a bottom uh, draw stock for uh, for anyone who's interested. Pricing wise, it's actually at a high of the P at the moment, which is twenty one. Uh, Solpat's usually trades between if the highs are around yeah seventeen to twenty or so. So it's mm. at the high end of its P range. It dropped down to sixteen point six so far in the pandemic, you know, which it is twenty dollars now. So sixteen point six dollars, sorry, sixteen dollars sixty six cents. Yep. Um, for us, if you were on a margin of safety, which is our conservative calculations, if you want a 10% return, a 10% return on a company like this average is really good because maybe the return you're getting on cash is like one yep. um, and Solpats is super reliable. I agree with everything Scott said. Mm. So if you want 10, uh, you could pay eighteen ninety nine. so say $19. It's only a dollar off where it is. We're showing it returning 18, 8.72 per year over the next five years on a margin of safety which is our conservative numbers. On our bullish numbers, it's 22% a year, which, which would be fantastic.
2: So for a you, company like this. So would you buy. put it as a buy. I yeah. think so. Yeah. There you go. We got two buyers there, and I thought we would as soon as I saw that stock, I had a feeling we'd get two buyers from you guys. So good to see. That's uh, Soul Pats. Let's move on from that one for now and uh, go to our next stock, which is Amason, uh, and Amason, an interesting one. It comes from Adrian, who's written in. Thanks, Adrian, for your question on Amason. Uh, Mark, do you have a view to AYS? For um, those playing
1: yes, home. it's. Um,
0: I had a, I had a look at it. This is an energy. They sell energy plans. So I, I, my, my I, very limited understanding, I've never looked at it before, I've actually never heard of it before. Mobile
2: plans. Yeah, and yep.
0: mobile plans. But I think it's a sales and marketing company that basically sells them on behalf of other people or from, for the uh, suppliers. Uh, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. So it's a capital light business. It's only got four years history. Um, the uh, earnings uh, uh, have been virtually since it listed. They had one year where it went up and it's been down every year since they listed. And the earnings have dropped from 80 cents down to 10 cents. Mm-hmm. which is pretty bad, <laughs> you know, so this is not, not, uh, not a good trend at all. Sales have been increasing, so they've got 17% sales growth and minus 22% earnings growth. Uh, return on equity is now down to 6. It was good for the first three years, uh, and debt's 53%, which is, makes the low return on equity even worse, yep. because it's, it's goosed up with a fair bit of debt. And why would you need debt if you're a marketing company? You know, selling plans? I mean, this is a capital light business. Now, I guess they bought they may they bought some companies. No yeah, they've
2: been on a bit of an acquisition. Okay. Yeah,
0: well, uh, we're showing it returning minus twenty nine percent a year for the next five years. So, if you buy it at fifty three cents, you are going to lose twenty nine percent a year going forward on I'm our gonna, on our modelling.
2: I am going to put you down as a sell. I think, so. I think on this one, I think <laughs> I can summarise that. Um, Mason, Scott, as we said, energy and mobile plans is, is what they sell. I know you've spoken about this one before. What's your take?
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating one. the energy business is one that I've never really given either it or Dodo credence for, but it's actually done a really good job of delivering sales and and profit growth with that energy business. It's also confirmed it's in talks, or sorry, it hasn't confirmed it's in talks. It's confirmed it has a data room always open the possibility of selling the energy business, which is a good at saying that someone pays up, we'll get rid of the thing, that is worth something to them. They've also recently acquired a whole lot of customers, seventy-seven thousand customers from a company called Ovo Mobile, and so scale works there. The share price has shot up as a result, as we know. Um, it's been a, it's had a really terrible history. Again, a little bit like um, uh, like SRG earlier. It's a business that just has bled bled share price, bled, bled profits for a very very long time. It goes to show how hard it is to really fight against the incumbents. Even with one of the better kind of reseller brands in the market or one of the better known reseller brands in the market, I, I, I can't love it. I really, you know, again, a bit like SRG, it's hard to see where the operational kind of challenges turn around. Again, you might be one of those people who says, well, it's been so bad for so long. Maybe there's something coming down the pike. It's a, again, it's a reasonably ordinary way to try and invest unless you're lucky, um, unless you can actually deliver some, turn some sort of hope into luck. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's just a it's, a it's a very, very hard way to make money the margins that the big guys are making aren't so spectacular the small guys got so much left over at some point scale matters so if amazing can maybe acquire a decent proportion of new businesses or you know like the ovo deal a lot more customers to really deliver it some scale some bargaining power on one end and value for its market than the other but no, it's too, too hard for me. I put that down to the sell too.
2: Sell, sell uh, from both of you. Okay, Resolute Mining. This one comes from us, uh, to us from Ruby. Obviously, a lot of West African mines that Resolution uh, Resolute has a gold miner. Uh, Mark, your take on this one? Um,
0: well, we tend not to like miners because they're price takers. You know, mm-hmm. a commodity, they can't control the gold price. But obviously, gold has been... Uh, in a in a in a strong market for a while, which is understandable, with the way the world is and so on. So all the gold miners have gone up a lot. Resolute, from my point of view, is one of the weaker uh, companies. We wouldn't we wouldn't look at it. And the reason is its earnings are all over the shop. The last the last report, they lost eleven cents a share, so it's negative. Mm-hmm. So and it's 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 got it's very unstable. It goes from profit to loss every couple of years. And it's also got quite a lot of debt, whereas if you look at the other uh, gold miners we have in Australia, like Northern Star or Saracen, both of those have consistently uh, strong earnings, no debt, and, and are obviously operating their businesses very well. Resolute's in difficult places in Mali, Ghana, uh, and uh, where else, in Senegal, Eastern Senegal. Yeah. And they've got one mine in uh, Queensland. Yeah, so all, all pretty hard you know, to run. Uh, so i wouldn't have any interest at all in uh, resolute because i couldn't have a, any even a chance of pr- trying to predict what's going on or what the earnings
1: are going to be so okay. i'm a no
2: all right scott are you a no as well where do you stand
1: uh, i'm not going to touch resolute, Ingrid. i um look you know i have a slightly view to mark i think i think Mark's maybe a little less bearish than i am on the gold price but my, my general view is that the, the gold price has risen really fast as a result of the share market fall it tends to work to some degree in, in not perfect opposition, but when shares are on the nose, gold does well and tends to be vice versa. Um, so to some degree, you've got to kind of work out what you think it's worth and what you think the market might do. And that gets into speculation, which I'm generally uncomfortable with anyway, but forced to take a view on gold miners. I think when when the value is already priced in, the gold price is already pushed up. Hmm. I got to see, I see more downside risk and upside potential. Hmm. Could be wrong. again. I'm not predicting, I'm just simply saying, if you're gonna buy a gold miner and you're again, a price taker as Mark said, um, I would say well and truly away from gold, given where gold is, given where the share market has been. Now, maybe as it comes back, the gold price falls, that gets attractive again. And certainly, you know, if you if your view is the market has further to fall after this kind of rally, then maybe that is a great time. Uh, but as a long-term investor with a kind of you know three five year plus. Horizon.
2: And Mark, as you say, it doesn't really matter about management or how strong management is if you're sort of at the mercy of the gold price, it
1: well, makes Well, yes, yes and no. I mean, you're
0: right. They can't control it. Yep. Uh, but management make an enormous difference. Yep. I mean, if you look at Northern Star, we picked that up about eight years, seven years ago uh, after the GFC, and it only listed it based on the GFC, and that's had brilliant management. And they have managed to pay dividends every year. If you look at their financials, you wouldn't know what they did. You say, what a great company. What are these yeah. guys doing? They're a gold miner. Now, they're now very popular. there on a 42 year, so I wouldn't buy them either. And I agree with Scott's uh, argument about it's not the time to buy gold miners right now. All
2: anyway. right. Well, let's move on then from that, from the yep. gold miners. And Barry has written in on Super Retail Group, ticket S-U-L. Scott, hmm. I'll start with you on this one because this is an interesting one.
1: Here's a yes for you, Ingrid. I'm going to say it's a buy, so let me Ooh. get that on the table so we do uh, come across the curmudgeons. Uh, I, look, super, super Cheap one of those. I'm a, I'm a big fan of of the old buffettism of high like quality businesses when they're on the operating table. Now, I don't think super cheap is necessarily a buffett business, nor do I think it's the best business in the country. And despite that bounce back, I still think there's a lot of life left in super retail. Now, of course, super cheap auto brand primarily is the big one for it. A couple of others that aren't doing quite so well. Uh, some outdoor stores and other bits and pieces. Really, you know, this is a story of a business that has been left for dead on a couple of occasions by the market. Most recently, of course, during that dip, we've had it as a buy the whole time, thankfully. Um, but as you can see there, Meaningfully, meaningfully cheaper than has been for five years or most of that five year period, I should say. A couple of times it's been cheaper. Um, it's doing a really good job. And yes, there are some economic headwinds. Absolutely. This is one we're prepared to look through and see some opportunity. I think the market has been too pessimistic on super retail. Online is going to kill it. The market's in trouble. The economy's in trouble. All well. The last two are true. Uh, the economy will recover and super cheap is doing a great job of, of super retail, doing a great job of, of turning itself into an online first business. Still a way to go, to be fair, as do a lot of other companies, but doing a really, really good job. It is the category killer in its own space. I think it'll keep doing really, really well for retail customers in particular. Um, it's one I, I really do like, particularly if you've got a portfolio full of other stuff that isn't maybe retail. This is one of the retailers, but a couple of others that I'd be buying right now. There aren't many, I have to say, uh, but this is one I think is a buy at the current price because it has got that potential to remain the category killer as it moves online. I think it'll do much better than the market expects. And when you get, a, check, when you get a, a view that the business is better than the market believes, that's where the upside comes. If you're right, now maybe I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I think it's a good deal at today's price. I'd be a buyer.
2: Okay, buy. We love that. Um, an example of management perhaps doing a good job, Mark?
0: Uh, yeah, they've, they, they've written off quite a lot over the years. We know Silver Retail Group well, you know, yep. so it's been our Team Invest wealth winner for a long time, and lots of our members are shareholders. Okay. In fact, quite a lot of them bought it on the drop. You know, in, um, in March it went oh, down to mid-March. three dollars. It went down Great. to three dollars. it wouldn't have gone to three dollars, but i bought ax1 and nick scarley on the drop Uh, so they're up 100 since then so is retail uh, super retail group Mm -hmm. it's gone from three dollars to eight dollars it's nearly it's high before uh, coronavirus was ten dollars fifty i agree with everything uh, scott said retail generally has been marked down overly and also before we had coronavirus the p ratios for retail were quite low anyway Mm. so uh, the highs for super retail have been about 15. And the lows, uh, will four <laughs> with the uh, three with the three dollar price. So we're showing it returning 14.84 per year for the next five years at the current share price with a terminal P of 12.8. So, so if they can continue, and they, they can come out of Corona and continue doing what they're doing, and I agree with Scott, I don't see any reason why they won't. Uh, you're getting a 14% return, which is good. Now, if you, of course, if you'd bought it when it was three dollars, or even four dollars, if you pay if you pay half just for the just for fun and giggles, I'll put in, let's say, $4. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what your returns would be, just so you can see how big a difference. 33% a year, Wow! if you bought it at $4. <laughs> so what, what I'd suggest viewers do if they're interested in it, um, I'd put some orders in below, because I still believe we're going there's no way the market's gonna keep going straight up. Yep. We'll, there'll be an opportunity to buy it cheaper than $8.55, but yes, I'd call it a buy.
2: All right, we've got two, two buyers yep. from uh, Scott and Mark there for Super Retail Group, ticker SUL. Um, so there's another one, and as we said, mid March was where we just saw that sort of bottom out, but um, hasn't quite made up the gains yet, so perhaps more room to run. All right, AP, guys, uh ticket APE. This is our final stock, the 10th stock from Peter. Scott, why don't you kick off this one?
1: All right, I will. Look, I think what I do want to say just very quickly is Mark and I are probably not this similar in terms of our general outlook, and I think. That often means we're looking for the best companies out there so while well, you might see some broken houses that have 80 percent of their stocks either buys or hold i think what you'll find is from me in particular i might want put words in mark's mouth but you know i'm looking for the best of the best so maybe 10 percent of the market five percent of the market to buy um, that's why you'll see from us uh, more 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 you know hold or sells because most simply aren't at that top echelon of, of you know likely winners that we we're looking for so that being said that's why i've been probably a bit i've seemed a bit negative on most of these companies so i simply think there are better ideas out there on ap eagers i'm going to be similarly cautious ingrid i, I i'm really torn on this one again i'm going to be a bit of a bargain hunter by nature so I won't pay up for growth but ap eagers is about as cheap as it's been for almost any point with the exception of that, that short drop off recently since 2015. now for good reason for very good reason uh, which is that people are buying new cars right now and that's that's the problem with investing right extrapolation doesn't work as one of us said if history was all that matters the richest people are all to be librarians that's my, that's our obligation Warren Buffett quote for you, Ingrid, for the, for the hour. Um, the, the challenge for for as for shareholders of APA is, again, a little bit like we talked about before, how long does the recovery take and how quickly does it come back? If you think they can survive this, and again, like Emiko with debt, the question of survival is not a, not, you know, it's not, no guarantee, it's not a rhetorical question, it's a genuine one. If they can survive that meaningful dilution or some other sort of handout sale, uh, massive layoffs or closures, which again, are possible, then... I would, I would bet this one's a, a a higher price in five years' time. The problem is you've got to get through that shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death, as they say, shadow of valley, as I should say. Um, you've got to get through that valley before you get out the other side. You may or may not make it. I think AP because it's the, it's the largest car dealership network in the country. We will go back to buying more cars. Um, the asset instant asset write-off has been extended now to the end of December from the government, I heard this morning. So plenty of reasons for people who can, particularly businesses who can, and have the appetite to to go and buy new cars. And that's the real kind of the, the real watch out for me. I do tend to think it's probably decent value. I'm not sure it's you know guaranteed or likely enough that I want to put a members' money into it. So it's not a buy for us yet. Uh, but it's one I've been watching because it is one of those companies that, again, if you can avoid the, the death spiral, should come out the other side of this in a bigger, better position with, with more profit than a higher share price. So it, because it's been through that new car kind of Decline for it must be almost eighteen months now. I think the new car sales have been falling. Again, we, you know, this is this may well be the point of kind of maximum pessimism. Or close to it, if that's true, in hindsight now might be the perfect time to buy.
2: Yeah. Okay. Because um, you know we did see, as as he mentioned, there, new car sales what suffered biggest monthly fall on record in April, forty nine percent, which isn't a big surprise given what we've been seeing in no. the pandemic. No. what's your
0: take um it's also the as uh, scott mentioned the new car sales apart from porsche i think are the only ones that have been growing and maybe ferrari but uh have been in decline for the last 18 months yeah before the pandemic yeah so the number of new cars being sold is actually going down and quite significantly regardless yeah yeah, regardless and i've got a friend who's a used car dealer and so on and he said that it's been smashed absolutely smashed Mm. you know so he's still doing all right because only because he's been able to buy uh, quality uh, premium cars really cheaply yep. and then find buyers for them so but that's not like this this is a major business yep. the other problem with eagers is that they have uh, their earnings peaked in 2016 they, grew, they were growing nicely to 2016 then they've been downhill ever since and we're now going uh, we're not out of the pandemic yet so we don't know what the impact is so their, their growth rate was minus one percent mm. for the last six years anyway so it was already negative and now we had the pandemic come on and we don't know what's going to come out of it now if Scott's right and the uh, sales actually go back higher than what they were well that'd be great I'm not so sure mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of people are questioning whether you need that you know with uber and so on I think I think it could actually be at a lower level but that's taking a glass half full approach and by the way I agree with Scott when he said that we obviously want to choose the the best companies yeah. and just on that how many do you need in your portfolio you know, if you have a portfolio of yeah. 20 companies that's 20 out of two thousand two hundred mm-hmm. it's less than one percent exactly so that's why I got so many no's I totally agree with Scott it's like most of them aren't even worth considering so going back to uh, to uh, eagers um, it's return on equities just just makes it and the other big problem is they have massive debt they've got mm. 347% debt to equity
2: well they just did this big 2.3 billion dollar merger as well yeah that's right
0: so they've jumped the debts doubled a trip nearly tripled from uh, 2018 to 2019, prior to coronavirus, right? That's very unfortunate timing. I would have thought, don't you
2: think? Yeah, they just did that deal. That's right, so that's right. the auto and they're currently a on a
0: P of 17. Yeah, you know, for earnings negative growth. I, to me, I I, uh, I couldn't look at that. We're showing a buy price. If you want 10% return, at four dollars uh, ten.
2: Okay. So safety. And it got
0: down to two fifty. So where oh, do I
2: put you as a whole? Oh no, no, no,
0: not interested.
2: Okay, I'll put you as a whole. sell. Hold, sell, hold, sell. You you don't own it, so that's right. Um, Okay, well, that does sum up the 10 stocks. uh, Well, Let's have a look at what our summary is, actually, of what we've got. Because we've got two buys uh, from both our guests out of that. Final five um, from, of course, Sol Pattinson. That was one. Ticket SOL, where we got a buy from both our guests. Uh, Amazing was a, a sell, basically. Resolute Mining, a sell. Super Retail, a buy. So we got a buy from both our guests there. That's pretty good when you guys say you only look at 1% of the stocks. We got two out of those five. Um, and AP Eagers, uh, a bit of a tentative buy, you could say, and a, and a hold there for AP Eagers. So there's the summary for you. The two to take out of the show, Sol Pattinson, Super Retail, uh, from our guests. Big thank you, though, uh, to Mark. Mark Morland from Team Invest and Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool for joining us on the show on the call today. Thank you. Any stocks uh, you want covered, of course, you can email us the call at ausbiz.com.au or of course you can tweet us to at